let's talk about digital identity, the podcast connecting identity and business. I am your host, Oscar Santolaya. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Let's Talk About Digital Identity. Today, we'll talk about digital money, especially a type of digital money that I see that not many people are discussing today, except, of course, our special guest, who is David G.W. Birch. He is an author, advisor, and commentator on digital financial services, principal at 15 Megabytes, hit advisory company, He is global advisor for the Secure Electronic Transactions Consultancy, Consult Hyperion. He's fintech ambassador for Digital Jersey and non-executive chair at Digisec Limited. He is an internationally recognized thought leader in digital identity and digital money. Also author of several books, included, including his latest book, The Currency Cold War, Cash and Cryptography, hash rates, and hegemony. Hello, David. Hello, Oscar. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's real, a real pleasure talking with you and super interesting topic we're going to discuss today about digital money. So yeah, let's start a conversation. Let's talk about digital identity. I would like to hear first a bit about yourself and your journey to the world of identity. Oh, sure. Okay. Well, my background originally was in secure communications and originally for military and government uh, purposes. And then, of course, in the 80s, that became part, you know, the financial services sector was developing and networking, and, and suddenly those skills were needed in financial services. And then I began to specialize in the area of payments, which is very, very interesting to me. But after a while, I began to realize that a lot of the problems that we were facing in the payment sector things like fraud and so on, were really not payment problems. They were really identity problems. And so I became very fascinated by the world of digital identity and how to, if you like, reimagine identity for an online and interconnected world. And so that's how I came to originally edit a book. And then I came to write a book about it. And as time goes on, I've become, <laughs> well, I've become more convinced than ever that digital identity is the fundamental enabler for all sorts of new business, new ways of working and new society, but also a fundamental problem because we don't seem to have been able to fix it. And we all still struggle with passwords and logging on and scamming and fraud and all sorts of things. So yeah, so I began to realize that digital identity was really the fundamental problem that needed to be solved. And then I became very interested in how to solve it in different ways. Yeah, super interesting. And as you said, there are, there are problems that are dragging for many years already. We're still dealing with, with those. But you are working with the very latest, as I said earlier, not many people hear what we're going to discuss today. Particularly in about digital money, there is a type called CBDCs, digital currencies. So could you tell us what is that? People are very familiar with cryptocurrencies. And there's lots of fun and interesting things happening in the world of cryptocurrencies. I mean, there's also lots of crazy things happening and lots of <laughs> and lots of criminal things happening. But nonetheless, the technology is very interesting. But cryptocurrencies are valued by the market. They have no inherent value. There's a Bitcoin is worth what people will pay for a Bitcoin. It's not backed by anything. 
A digital currency is something that's backed by something. So, for example, you could have a digital currency like the Circle, you know, USDC, where you have cryptographic tokens, but they're redeemable for one US dollar. You could have tokens that are backed by commodities like oil or gold or something like that. Or you could have tokens that are backed by goods and services, future products and services, all sorts of things. But in my very nerdish distinction, cryptocurrencies are backed by supply and demand only, whereas digital currencies are backed by something that has value, which might be another currency, it might be a commodity, it might be a company or you know whatever. Now, within that world of digital currencies, lots of central banks around the world are starting to think, well, we want our citizens to have access to new innovation, new ways of doing things, better ways of doing business. So perhaps we should look at making digital versions of our currencies. And these are what people call digital fiat, because central bank currencies are what's called fiat currencies or central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. I'll use that latter word because that's what people, I mean, I know it's longer, but that's what people have come to use. So when we're talking about central bank digital currencies, we're talking about using some of the technologies of cryptocurrencies and crypto assets and decentralized finance and all that kind of thing. But we're using them to transport these tokens, which are backed by something else. And if you think about it, I mean, the reason why lots of people want to do that is because it can be much more efficient to trade values across distributed ledgers in a decentralized manner using decentralized finance protocols. You can easily see why this is, because after all, if let's say you buy a share in Apple from me, for you to get that share in Apple involves all sorts of third parties and different layers. You have brokers and dealers and market makers and front office and back office and middle office, settlement and reconciliation, clearing, you know, you have lots of things that have to happen. But if I send you a token that's worth one share in Apple, it just goes from my wallet to your wallet. So the financial services people, the serious financial services people are very interested in this because it's a much more cost-effective way of doing business, not because of they have any ideological commitments, but because it's a lower-cost way of doing business. So central bank digital currencies exist in that world. And, you know, the idea that you and I might trade through some protocols in some sort of decentralized finance market, and I send you my token that represents an Apple share, and you send me some tokens that represent dollars, that's not crazy. That's where I think we're going. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, seen as, as a token, something simple. One, something simple that can be, as you said, given directly from one person to another. It simplifies a lot what, how the things are doing today, as you say, with the example of buying, a, you sell me, for instance, an, an Apple share. Indeed, how that, that token goes from you to me. For instance, I read one of your articles and it mentioned that it has to be offline. Or, or not? It's like device to device, or that's not necessary? Yes. So this is, that's a slightly different argument. So if we say, well, okay, a central bank digital currency is a good thing. It would be nice if we had tokens that were pounds or dollars, pesos, that we could exchange with each other. That's good. But actually, if a central bank is going to provide those, and it's going to provide them for all its citizens, 
not just some people that have nice computers and high-speed broadband. If it's going to provide those for all of its citizens as a potential alternative to cash, then it has to satisfy some additional criteria. And in particular, it has to be able to work where there are no networks. So if you and I, I mean, I always take a simple example, which is car parking. If I go to the underground car park, I want my car to be able to use digital currency to pay for its parking place. But in the underground car park, there's no mobile signal. So it's annoying uh, when, you try to, when you try to use apps and things like that. A digital currency that's going to be a cash alternative has to be able to function in a device-to-device mode when there's no mobile network, no internet, possibly even no electricity. You know, I should be able to transfer money from my phone to a merchant's phone so that I can buy some milk even when there are no networks perhaps because of there's a natural disaster or power failures or, or so on. Because otherwise, you're not really providing a real alternative to cash. If it's a real alternative to cash, it has to work everywhere all the time. And this means it has to operate in a device-to-device mode so that I can send money from my USB stick to your phone, like direct by NFC or tapping them or, I mean, whatever, you know. Yeah, it has to work with or without internet, as, as you said, right? Uh, be the replacement of cash. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. And to also clarify, because many people have been well, not only talking, but also buying, selling cryptocurrencies, well, until very recently. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a term that has been used a lot in the last year. People get more familiar, maybe not about real and standard, but yeah, we, we have an idea what it's a cryptocurrency. What are the main differences? You already mentioned a bit, but let's say the top differences between cryptocurrency, like the Bitcoin and uh, the CBDC. Well, well, like I said, cryptocurrencies don't have anything behind them. They're only valuable according to what people will pay for them. Their value is set by supply and demand. But digital currencies have a backing. And in the case of central bank digital currencies, that's central bank money. So if the Bank of England issues a central bank digital currency, that central bank digital currency will be backed by sterling. You'll be able to take your central bank digital currency tokens and get sterling for them. There'll there'll be a reserve in sterling. The real difference between cryptocurrencies and digital currencies is that digital currencies have a backing. There's some asset sitting behind them that you can have access to. And in the case of central bank digital currencies, that's central bank money. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a core difference. Okay, thank you for clarifying that again. And also cryptocurrencies, well, I would say, well, anybody could create a cryptocurrency, right? Basically, you can. <laughs> yeah, that's why, that's why there are so many, too many. And many come and go. That's, that's, that's how it is. But of course, the CBDC is very different in that way. So there, there will be rules on that. So are there already regulation rules on that or what kind of relation will be coming? So in general, we need proper regulation of the whole sector, of course. But many of the finance people I've spoken to have said that when there is appropriate regulation in place, they they intend to tokenize everything, equities, bonds, commodities, everything, because, because trading tokens is a more efficient way of trading. So So lots of people want that regulatory structure to come into place. In the case of central bank digital currencies, you can already see what that should be like, because in Europe, we already have the example of the electronic money regulations. We can already issue electronic money against reserves that are 
sufficient quality, what you call tier one capital or, or HQLA, high quality liquid assets. So we can sort of see what that regulation should look like. Basically, anyone will be able to issue a currency provided they have this backing. And in the particular case of central bank digital currency, I mean, bear in mind that no central banks really want to issue this to customers directly. They, they want to do it through intermediaries like, like banks. Any digital pound token that you hold will be backed by a Bank of England pound. I imagine, I mean, who knows what exactly those regulations will look like, but I imagine those regulations will say that you're not allowed to charge fees on transferring in and out. I think it will have to sort of say that. You know, I don't know exactly what the regulations will be, but I, I can sort of see roughly what they will be. And in that case, I assume, and I think a lot of central banks assume this, the reason that those digital currencies will become worthwhile and useful isn't to replicate what we already have. Like, I don't need digital currency to go to the supermarket. I already have a debit card. It works fine. You know, that's not the issue. But the potential for innovation with those currencies I think is very real. So if you imagine, I mean, some people talk sort of loosely about imagining money with an API. And I think that's an interesting way of thinking about it. If you have cash that has an API, then that would mean that there will be a whole, lots of creativity could come in that space. I'm sure even now, you know, students in a lab somewhere could be building some terrific new products and services. And, you know, maybe I'm too old to imagine what those will be, but I sort of think, I mean, things like micropayments, I think, would be a good example. But the idea of the regulation is is not to create something which allows us to do what we do now, but to put in place a platform for innovation, new ways of doing things, new products and services in the future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, one already you already mentioned. No, you got, you are on the underground parking, yeah, and you cannot use internet to to pay electronically. This there are many others like cases. There's not a solution today. Yeah, I guess that the most interesting thing to hear now is also what is the role of identity in, in this type of central bank digital currency? Well, look, I mean, it's very hard to imagine. It's very hard for me to imagine that central banks will allow unlimited amounts of anonymous digital currency into circulation. Now, that would be catastrophic because it would enable the criminals and terrorists and oligarchs to to be free of any kind of control. And I don't think any of us would want to live in that kind of society. So therefore, there must be some kind of identity in the digital currency space. And in fact, I go further than that. I would say, you know, we want some kind of digital identity in that space. It's a good thing. And actually, the need, because digital currency needs some form of digital identity, that might actually drive digital identity forward and help digital identity to develop into the mass market. Now, exactly what form that digital identity will take, that's a very interesting subject for discussion. Should it be pseudonymous in some way? Who should know who these identities are? Who should be able to follow the transactions and manage them and this kind of thing? Those are complicated discussions, much too complicated just for a podcast. <laughs> uh, But you, you see what I'm driving at. There has to be some kind of digital identity. And therefore, it's good to start the discussion now and bring the stakeholders together so that the stakeholders, and stakeholders, I mean, not just banks and central banks, but I mean, law enforcement and citizens groups and lawyers and 
regulators, there are lots of people, because there are many issues around this to do with financial inclusion and this kind of thing. There are lots of issues that need to be resolved to get a central bank digital currency together. Identity is a really important part of that. And I, I think it's useful to begin that discussion now so that people can have an educated and informed debate on how exactly that digital currency should work. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. It's a topic that, yeah, not many people are talking about. And, and it's, yeah, I think it's going to happen. I think it's something that you, you every time you write, you say this is going to happen. From what I see, you could imagine from the not desired um, option that the, this digital currency is it's like cash, completely anonymous, going to pseudonymous and going to verify identity. It's something still we don't know who would verify but yeah, it's something I agree with you. There's a lot of discussion have to be done now. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying I know exactly what all the answer to that should be, Oscar. Like where exactly we should set the dial. I do feel that we need to have an informed debate about where to go. I think the people who are the extremists, the people who say that digital cash should be completely anonymous, are clearly wrong. But simultaneously, the people who say that every transaction should be traced and monitored, they're probably wrong as well. We need to figure out exactly where the balance lies. And I don't think that decision should be left to technologists like me. I think that decision should involve civil society. And it will take some time. People like the Bank of England are saying that a central bank digital currency could be sort of five years away. I agree with them. But you know, it could easily take five years to work out all of these issues as to how exactly it should all work. Yeah, it can be, as you said, five years still. Do you know in some countries there is more progress or more work on, on that or how is around the world? Well, look, I mean, I think, you know, in different parts of the world, it's progressing in different ways because there are different cultural attitudes to how this should all work. So what people in America might want and what people in China might want will be very different, I think, with this sort of thing. So around the world, it's progressing in different ways. In the sort of developed countries, I think that those debates actually have some time to go. I really do. I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. It's just too complicated and too important to get those decisions right. Decisions that we make about how exactly a central bank digital currency is going to work, these are important decisions that have ramifications for a long time. So I am a big fan of central bank digital currency and I want to see it. But I, I don't need to see it now. I need to see it. I need to see it in the future working in such a way as to benefit everybody. Yeah, exactly. And I guess when you see it, of course, some countries have more progress, some central banks have more progress than others. Of course, the ones who yeah, have a right solution first also will take advantage. Like that's what I can I could foresee. Yeah, it's it's very difficult to see the future. What is your your best way of foreseeing the first implementation, what kind of, yeah, how would you see it in, in practice? We're already seeing the pilot implementations in China, uh, you know, implementations in other places around the world. I think in the US and in the UK, my feeling is that we will choose privacy enhancing technologies to be part of the infrastructure. So if you talk to the technologists, they, they already have techniques cryptographic blinding, homomorphic encryption, zero-knowledge proofs, this kind of thing. They already know how to do things in a more private way. What we need to decide is how exactly those will all come together to form the infrastructure. But I, 
I'm actually quite optimistic about it, Oscar, because I think those technologies are already there. They already work. It could be that the legislators and the regulators may not understand how powerful those tools are or what they can do. But I do feel that we have the tools that we need. So, so once the stakeholders can come together and say how anonymous or how non-anonymous it needs to be, then I think we can implement the relevant digital identity infrastructure. I think we already have all the technology we need to do that. So yes, it will take a while, but I'm optimistic. Okay, so there are already some pilots in some countries. Interesting. Definitely have to, yeah, interesting for everybody, I think, uh, to have a look at those and yeah, be prepared. Yeah, because I think uh, no matter which job functions we are, I think we have to, as you say, not only technologies take part into making the decision how this, this system is going to be designed. Yeah, definitely. Very difficult to see the future, but we'll see um, quite a lot progressing, as you say, in five years from now. Final question I would like to ask you, David, for all business leaders that are listening to us right now, what is the one actionable idea that they should write on their agendas today? I think for most businesses that I'm involved with, because I do a lot of work in finance and payments, I think for most businesses, what they need to do is to have a strategy towards digital currency. They don't need to implement digital currency right now. It's downstream. But they have to have a strategy because we need them to provide input into that stakeholder consultation process. So it makes sense for retailers, for people in the value chain, acquirers, issuers, processors, governments, law enforcement. It makes sense for them to have their strategy towards digital currency because we need that strategy as input. So just because it's not going to happen for four or five years, well, four or five years is not a long time if you're a bank. So what I would say to them is you don't have to do anything about digital currency tomorrow, but you do have to start building a strategy towards digital currency. I hope that's helpful. Yes, I think it's, yeah, I agree with just having a strategy, preparing for the next five, 10 years when this will, this will for sure happen. Okay, well, thank you very much, David. Super interesting, this this conversation about the central bank digital currency. Definitely, we're going to hear more and more in the coming months and years. Please let us know, uh, for someone who would like to get in touch with you, follow you, what are the best ways? Just uh, follow me on Twitter, DGW Birch, or on LinkedIn, DGW Birch. Or you can always just go to my website, which is dgwbirch.com. Okay, excellent. Again, Dave, it was a pleasure talking with you and all the best. Thank you for an interesting discussion, Oscar. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk About Digital Identity, produced by UbiSecure. Stay up to date with episode at ubisecure.com slash podcast or join us on Twitter at ubisecure and use the hashtag LTADI. Until next time, 